Good morning. Good to see you guys. Thanks. It's good to be seen. That's funny. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. I was at home trying to feel like, you know, when you're going to be a guest speaker somewhere, you want to kind of see where, you, where the church is. So I listened to one of the messages that Pastor Daniel preached. And he stood up here a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, we have a really guest, great guest speaker coming, Pastor Lance Powers. And that's what I heard, this. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I was like, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> this is my favorite church. I get to speak a lot of places. I love coming here. So thanks for letting me come. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I love it. Uh, listen, I want to tell you, back in 1985, some of you like weren't alive. So uh, in 85, uh, we were, some of you were plenty alive. Uh, back in 85, I was just graduated high school, getting ready to go off to play college football. And so in that, that whole time frame, an 18-year-old kid trying to figure it out, right? So I went in, and I knew that I was going to go play football, so I, I went and lifted weights like a crazy dude. It was the days before personal trainers, so I just thought, I need to get in there as much as possible. So I went like the, there was like the, the heavy lift day with light reps, and then there was like the high reps day with, with low weights, and then there was like the footwork day, the jump rope day, and all that, all that stuff. And then I finally got to the day of the week that I loved the most, and it was like the max out, see how much you can lift day. I love that day because you can finally see what it was that you were accomplishing, right? In that moment, you can finally see how much heavy weight you could lift as if you were actually making some progress. I want to talk to you this morning about lifting heavy things. I want to talk to you about lifting heavy things in your life. Some of the trials and struggles and troubles that some of you have found yourselves in. I want to talk to you this morning about how God's plan is going to work in and through, with, and because of that trial. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for today. You're so good. You're so much better than we think you are. God, oftentimes we come and express our frustration in the midst of a trial. But God, today I pray that we would finally slow down long enough to really acknowledge your goodness and your love for each of us in the midst and in the, in the process of trials. In Jesus' name, amen. A few things I learned while lifting weights that summer. You need to write these down. These are deep, all right? Number one, first thing I learned, lesson. I got stronger by lifting heavy stuff. Number two, second lesson I learned. Lifting heavy things had a purpose in my life. The third lesson I learned was this. When I stopped lifting heavy stuff, my muscles shrunk. Some of us have been lifting heavy things. <laughs> Some of us have been in, uh, enrolled in the class of disappointment. And you found yourself lifting heavy stuff and wanting to lift your fist at heaven and say, God, I thought we liked each other. Some of us actually think that you and God have this, this scale going, and the scale looks a little like this. God, I do good stuff, you bless me. I do bad stuff, bad things happen to me. And we allow our, ourselves somehow to make up a relationship to God that's so not even biblical. As if to say, God, I'm gonna do good things so you'll bless me, and if I do bad things, you'll hate me. 
Therefore, we conclude that trials and difficulty and heavy things in our life are all God being mad at us. What if that's not the case at all? What if that's not the case of the heavy things in our life? What if the heavy things in our life are actually allowed there by God to grow us into places of maturity? My wife uh, had a, a blood test the other day, and today in our, in our modern culture of getting results fast, she, uh, she went to take the blood test, she came home, by the time she got home, she had the app on her phone that said the results of the blood test. Now her appointment for her and her doctor to look at it were still a couple days away. So she got the results of the test and it said, this looks normal, that looks normal, but this looks high. And she goes, what's high? What does this mean? So she shows me, Lance, why is this here? And I was like, ah, I don't know. And she's like, look, it's high. What's going on here? I was like, I don't know. So she did what any godly, Jesus-loving, Holy Spirit-filled pastor's wife would do. She Googled it. Dr. Google wasn't friendly. Dr. Google said, you know what? This could mean something bad. Dr. Google said, hey, this could be a problem. So, uh, so buckle up, have a good day, but buckle up. I mean, so Dr. Google wasn't kind. So she looked at me and she's like, oh no, like I'm gonna die. And I was like, yeah man, let's not get to there from here. She goes, what are you gonna do with my life insurance money? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, man. Let's, let's not jump off that cliff yet. Maybe we should email the doctor and let's ask her what she says. And so she's like, okay. So she emails her. The results come back and said she has allergies. <laughs> no joke, right? So <laughs> what's your go-to in the middle of your trial in life? What's your first thing you go to? Is it the bottle? Is the go-to inside your life to run to the refrigerator or to go down to Target? What's the go-to in your life to try to just get something and make yourself feel just a little bit better? What is your go-to in life? See, maybe God allowed some of the difficulty and the trials in your life for something. You remember the book of Job? Some of you read the book of Job. How many of you have done that? Yeah, a handful of you. <laughs> Most of us try to stay as far away from Job as possible. Right. The book of Job. Let, let me tell you what the book of Job is in a nutshell. In my opinion, the book of Job is basically a movie trailer. Right? It's a movie trailer. It's the movie called How to Be Given Seven Times More at the End of Your Life Than You Started With. That, that's the movie, right? And then most of us would go see that movie until we actually saw the content. Right? The content was this. Job started out with a bunch of stuff. And right about the you get this is the beginning of Job. Beginning of Job, there was this crazy blessing from God. He said, "I love you so much, Job. You're amazing." And 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 about that time, the enemy shows up and says, "God, he's happy with you, and you're happy with him. You always bless him. That's why he keeps on doing good stuff. If you made things bad happen to him, then you know what? He probably wouldn't have as much joy in his life." And God said, you know what? I wanted to give my servant Job seven times more than he could possibly happen, but he can't contain it right now. I'll use you, enemy, to create capacity in my servant. So craziness ensues. He loses all kinds of crazy stuff. And at the end of the book of Job, we see Job was seven times more than he started with. God allowed the heavy trials in Job's life to create capacity in his chest to receive more blessing. Yay. <laughs> Sing a little louder. <laughs> right, come on. It's that, who wants to sign up for that? 
God, bring on the crazy so that I'll be blessed. No, man, we're just like, God, keep the crazy at bay. <laughs> because there's a word in the Bible that, that, that describes trials. You know what it is? Sucketh. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Look it up. <laughs> you can say that. Sucketh. But it's terrible. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awful. Trials are a drag, man. Who likes them? But what if the trials in our life were there to actually create capacity in us to receive more? What if the deep things, the heavy things, the hard things, the difficult things were allowed in our life by God to create capacity in us to lift heavier weights? What if the difficult things in our life were actually making room for God to pour more into us than we ever thought possible? Hmm. If you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of James. The book of James. I love this. The book of James was actually the first book written in the New Testament. I don't know if you knew that. James was actually the half-brother of Jesus. Same mom, different dad. James was the half-brother of Jesus. James, the book of James was actually written in 44, 49 AD. Jesus rose from the dead in 33 AD. 16-year span right there, right? So Jesus raises from the dead. 16 years later, he writes the book of James. Now, James, the half-brother of Jesus, wasn't always a follower of Jesus. He wasn't one who was like uh, raised up with Jesus and said, you know what, you're pretty special. You're like the son of God. I think I'll follow you. C could you imagine having a brother that was, well, perfect? <laughs> Some of you think you were raised with somebody who was perfect because your mom told you. Can I tell you this? Could you imagine like he never got, <laughs> he got away with it all. So James, I'm sure at some point was kind of like, dude, do something wrong. <laughs> Cross, I don't know. But nevertheless, James grew up with a, not necessarily a love to follow Jesus in his godness until Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> when Jesus rose from the dead, James was like, hey, you, let me tell you this, I have a theory. If, if uh, you want to convince your brother that you actually are the son of God, raise yourself from the dead. Might work. Can I tell you? That's exactly what happened. James ran into the risen Jesus. James knew Jesus died. James, let me tell you this. That's why I love the book of James. It's written so early on in the picture. I love the fact that so many other writings, goodness, uh, the Koran, I mean, it was written 560 or 600 years later. It starts to talk about all these things about Jesus that never took place. James writes literally 13 years later. That's like us talking about 2003. It was that early. James starts to write and he says, Jesus is the real deal. Now, James is writing into a climate of massive disarray. James is writing into a climate of a bunch of people who are in the midst of crazy persecution. James is writing to people who are under pressure. I mean, I mean, crazy pressure. They weren't just discouraged. They weren't just having a hard day. It wasn't just like God wasn't providing. They literally were of their lives, life and death struggles. Wasn't like I can't find a parking stall at Target. It was more like I am literally under persecution. I mean, like people were being burned at the stake. Uh, Nero, the Bible says, would, would light people on fire to light up his garden. They would dip him in uh, tar, light him up on fire so he could have a light at, at night. It was awful. I mean, it was a terrible thing. James is writing to Christians and he says this crazy thing. Hey, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What? That's the kind of trials he was going through. Listen, some of you are going through some of the, the, the most hellish trial you ever faced. Some of you are going through some difficulties here that would buckle the knees of the person sitting next to you. 
Some of you are going through some deep, dark, heavy things. And can I tell you, God may very well be allowing some of that into your life to grow you up. They were in the midst of a crazy persecution. Why persecution? What persecution? The persecution came because people, but listen to this, it's kind of funny. So Jesus tells his disciples, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's just getting ready to, remember Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus spent about 50 days here on the planet. And then Jesus is gonna rise up into heaven. And then that's when, where he is now. And he's gonna come back eventually. But Jesus says to his disciples, hey, on the Mount of Olives, he says, hey guys, I'm gonna go up to my father in heaven and prepare a place for you. There's three things I want you to do when I leave. Go to Jerusalem, be filled with the Holy Spirit, leave Jerusalem. That's what he says. Go to Jerusalem, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, leave Jerusalem. So you know what they did? They went to Jerusalem, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they stayed in Jerusalem. Right? They did exactly what well, we would have done. Not the right thing. <laughs> So they stayed in Jerusalem. I feel like Jesus said, hey, I gotta get these people to scatter all the way to Sumner. I gotta get them out of here. Persecution happens, right? Now we might think to ourselves like, wait, God allowed that stuff to happen just to get, us, get them to move on? I think craziness just happens and sometimes God says, I'll allow these heavy weights because I need you to get out of here and go do what you're supposed to be doing. Sometimes the heavy weights, not necessarily because it's awesome and fair and, and, and welcoming or equitable. Sometimes the heavy weights are just to move us forward. Hmm. Hmm. James chapter one, verse 12 says this. It says, God blesses people who patiently endure testing. God blesses people who patiently endure testing. Let's unpack that just a little bit. The word blessed there means content beyond all cares and burdens. Blessed means to be content beyond all cares and concerns. Blessed. Testing here, where it says, the, the, it says God blesses people who patiently endure testing. The word testing here in the Greek actually means this. It means something that breaks the pattern of peace and comfort in your life. So wait a minute. God wants to grow us up and bless us by breaking the pattern of peace and comfort in our lives. <laughs> God wants to get into your comfort zone and say, snap out of it. Come on, stop doing that. I got something more for you. Come on. I think God allows, when was the last time? Isn't it better to just be comfortable? <laughs> Isn't it so much better to just be comfortable and lift the easy weights? You ever gone to the gym and seen that guy who's just sitting there lifting the two pound weights? And he looks good, his hair looks good, maybe her hair looks good or whatever, they smell good. You're just like, dude, you're not, then you see the person that walked in with the big old sweaty shirt. <laughs> and you don't want to see those guys go close to those guys and they get up off the thing and it's all sweaty and they don't wipe it off. You know that? Yeah, that guy. Those guys are putting into work. Most of us just want it easy. We want it softer. We want it gentler. We just want to be able to get through. We want God to just bless us because he's a good God. We just want God to bless us because he's just faithful and awesome. I feel, quite frankly, like so many of us are living our lives in the sandbox of life. The sandbox, remember that your kids played in with a little bucket and a shovel? And, and we think that that, remember your kids play in the sandbox and they think that that's the most important thing? They're just like, 
I got my bucket and my shovel. Someone took my shovel. Someone took my shovel. And they lose their minds, their ever-loving minds. They cry and cry, someone took my shovel. Can I tell you, we do the same thing. When someone monkeys with our bucket and shovel, we lose our minds. Someone parks in our spot. Someone got the promotion over us. Someone got the whatever it was that you thought you were gonna get, and we lose our minds. At some point when we stop and just say, Jesus, you're big and you're good, and I'm not. Look what James chapter one, verse two says in the message translation of the Bible. Listen to this. It says, consider it a sheer gift, dear friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Listen to this. You know that under pressure, your faith life is being forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you can become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. Well-developed, mature, not deficient in any way. Look what the New Living Translation says of that same verse. For when your faith is being tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be strong in character, listen to this, and ready for anything. Strong in character and ready for anything. But there's a Greek word that describes strong in character and ready for anything. The Greek word is the word teleos. Everybody say teleos. The word teleos is, is literally, here's what it means. The word teleos, describing strong in character, ready for anything. The word teleos means this, complete. Wanting nothing, thoroughly mature. Complete, wanting nothing, thoroughly mature. Can I tell you that God's heart and plan for all of us is for us to become thoroughly mature? Did you know you don't have to choose to grow older? (laughs) But you do have to choose to grow up. There's There's nothing worse than seeing a dude who's grown older but has not grown up. Come on. You know that guy, right? <laughs> you know that guy. You're just like, dude, you're 12, but you're 65, right? So, I mean, <laughs> come on. There's nothing worse. And some of us, our spiritual lives are like that. We're walking around like infants, but yet we've, we've logged years of our life in Christianity, and yet we're still just spiritual infants, what if it's possible that God allows heavy things in our lives for us not to run and avoid, but to actually sit down and lift because he wants us to become teleos, thoroughly mature. So often we just run from the trial. So often we just run from the struggle. So often we just get mad at God and throw our fist at heaven and say, how dare you? What if God allows the heavy things in our life to create capacity and to make us thoroughly Mature. Amen. Yay, God. Hmm. How do you become a teleos person, number one? Number one, how do you become a teleos person? Don't shy away from the heavy stuff. Don't run away from the heavy stuff. 
Man, it's much easier to do the light things. It's much easier to, 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 to live on the, oh, God bless me boat. It's so easy to just live on that boat and say, oh, God will just bless me. God will just bless me. And somehow, listen, God, listen, God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you in an otherworldly way. But, but the world's definition of blessed and God's definition of blessed are like miles apart. God wants to thoroughly mature us. He's not necessarily interested in thoroughly making us happy. God's real plan is to make us holy. Do you know that God's heart's desire isn't just to get you through now? His heart's plan and desire isn't just to get you through 2019. God has a plan for you for, get this, all eternity. His heart's desire and plan is to grow us thoroughly mature to go into eternity. Amen. He's prepared. Could you imagine if you went into eternity right now in our spiritual infant stage? God wants to prepare us for eternity. Maybe, maybe some of us need to lift some of those heavy things a little bit more than complaining about the heavy things. Because it might be the very teleos that God wants to grow us up with. Hmm. By the way, mom, mama, look at me for a minute. Can I, just, can I just tell you this as a, as, a, as a grandpa, as a daddy? Mama, let your kids run into a few brick walls. Let your kids fail. Let your kids trip. Let your kids get falsely accused. Let your kids get the wrong grade and you not contact the teacher. Let their heart be broken by that guy because he's a doofus and your daughter's much better than that, but you just sit there and zip it. Why? Because you want to help them get the pattern of learning how to become thoroughly mature. And sometimes heavy stuff happens. So many of us, Daddy, you're no different. We're the same way. We want so desperately to protect our daughter's heart from that doofus, and we want to be able to say like, oh no, he's terrible, we want to just drop Daddy on top of that guy. Let me tell you this, sometimes it's okay for your daughter's heart to just get broken, and that hurts all of us. There's nothing worse, I've watched my kids, man, I've watched my daughter's heart get broken, and I just want to go grab that guy and be a dad on him. <laughs> You could say that in church. I wanted to do that, right? <laughs> it means lots more than you think. But let me tell you this. It, it <laughs> Come on. There's nothing better than looking at your daughter and saying, you got this. God's big. You're gonna make it. Because you and I both know that God wants to grow them through this. You, you, you know, can I just tell you this? Maybe you don't know this but not everyone gets a trophy at the end of the game. Right? Some of us, <laughs> you know, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, millennials. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, geez. Forgive me. <laughs> you used to like me. Here we go. Teleos, how to be a teleos person number two. Teleos person number two. Never forget the purpose of the trial. Never forget the purpose of the trial. Romans 8.28 says this. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for good to those that love God and are called according to the purpose for them. Man, most of us had that on our refrigerator or in our bathroom mirror. And we're just so excited. Yep, God works all things together for good. We forget the next verse, 29. Let me tell you what 29 says. For God knew his people in advance. That's you and me. He chose them to do what? To become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters, you and me. God's desire, his purpose in trial and struggle, his, 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 his whole heart's desire is for us to become more like Jesus. He wants us to become like Jesus. That's his big heart's passion, is that we become more like Christ, not more like us. That means that some of us are gonna go through hard times. We're gonna go through trials and struggles and lift heavy things, why? Because God has a purpose to make you more like his son and to create capacity in you and to build you up into your most holy faith. God loves you. I think we forget sometimes that God actually so loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you. And we forget it and we kinda tend to think that God so loved us that he'll just get me out of all my messes. And if he doesn't, then he's mean. And God is terrible, and how can he do this? Because I thought, God, I thought God loved me. Why would he let cancer happen in my family? I thought God loved us. How can he let this divorce take place? God, I thought you loved me. Why did I lose my job? What if all of those things show up in life and they're there to make us more like Jesus and to create past capacity in our chest to receive more from him? This sermon may not get replayed in your car, <laughs> but I'm telling you, God allows trials in our life because he loves you, not because he's mad at you. The moment we learn that is the moment we're finally gonna realize like, hey, okay, so God, we're in this together. God, I can, I can make through this. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. Lord, you love me. Could you imagine if we actually believe this stuff? Could you imagine? That's why I love to hear the stories about the, uh, the, the, the young kids who were at their big uh, retreat that we saw the video of the other day. And the, the big, and you see, you know what's crazy about little kids? They actually believe this stuff. They actually believe that Jesus is really the deal. We're the ones that talk ourselves out of it and we're like, yeah, he's sometimes fair, sometimes he's not, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's terrible. What if Jesus was just good all the time? but it didn't look like your version of good right then. Number three. How do you become a teleos person? Number three. Never give up. Never, never give up. I got the privilege of coaching, uh, uh, assistant coaching one of the high school football team in Ording just down the road a bunch of years ago, and uh, Marty Parker, so I worked under him. And one of the things that we would have all the kids, we would take them into the gym just before the game or in the locker room. We'd have all the kids close their eyes and, and, then, and then Marty would sit there and he would share with them all the most important things to remember and oftentimes had nothing to do with football. They were just more like, guys, this is life. Let me tell you this in life, heavy stuff's gonna happen. But never give up. Never, never give up. Somebody's gonna block you when you at least expect it. Somebody's gonna hit you and take the ball from you, but never give up, never, never give up. Somebody's gonna make you look silly, never give up, never, never give up. So many of us have found ourselves in these moments of difficulty and trial, and we just said, God, enough of this. And maybe you're here at church today or you're watching us on Facebook Live, and you've said to yourself, you know what? God, 
There's no way God loves me. He's just mean and unfair. Never give up. Never, never give up. Never allow the enemy to steal that part of your life. Never give up. When your marriage looks like it's failing, never give up. When it looks like that addictions take a hold of you, never give up. When it seems like all else is, is going crazy, never give up when you're gonna lose your job. Never, never give up when you hear that message from your kid. You allow God to show up and be big in you and grow you into the man or woman he intended you to be. 1985, that fall, I went to Central and I ended up playing football. I ended up uh, earning a starting job as a freshman. I was pretty excited about that. I started on the right-hand side of the line. I, I, I was super excited about that. At the end of the year, I actually won the award as the best offensive player as a lineman. Don't know how that happened. Uh, but, but I did and it was crazy. But that's not all that happened that fall of 1985. The fall of 1985, I also remember my parents dropping me off at college and saying, hey, by the way, enjoy football, but we're getting a divorce. I also remember a letter that came into the mail while I was at Central. A letter, by the way, those of you who are under 50, is in a white envelope, has a stamp on it, <laughs> address. <laughs> it's from my girlfriend. The first line of the thing said, hey Lance, it's not you, it's me. She broke up with me, man, she kicked me to the curb. Sorry, I ended up marrying her. But in the process, <laughs> I, won, I won, nevertheless. <laughs> my parents said they got a divorce. My girlfriend broke up with me in the sixth game I played against uh, this football team up north and ended up hitting a linebacker. He actually hit me and her needed a disc in my neck and they told me that I ran the risk of paralysis and I could never play football again. I remember laying on my bed, my dorm room bed in Wilson Hall, laying there, and I remember tears growing down my face this way as I was laying on my back. And I was like, God, what the heck? What the heck? I just remember laying there, and he, I just cried. I just said, Lord, you're all I have. You're all I got. I just still remember this. I'll never forget that moment. He said, Lance, I'm all you've ever had. When did you start adding stuff in front of me? I remember him communicating to me, Lance, I don't wanna be number one in your life. Because if there's a number one, there's a number two and a number three, I just wanna be the only one in your life. Because if you've given your life completely to me, then heavy things become a workout session. <laughs> then trials become something that's gonna mature you. I wanna be all that you live for. Some of us have forgotten the Jesus of the Bible. And the James that said, consider it pure joy for the struggles and trials that you face of many kinds, kinds because they're gonna grow you into a place of maturity, teleos. Let's pray. Lord, there's no one like you. Lord, we face all kinds of craziness in this world. Politicians are yelling and screaming and fussing at each other. We get on Facebook and we agree with some and argue with others and decide that somehow this is the, this is the place we're gonna set all of our eggs in this basket. Find ourselves losing our job or our spouse tells us something we never thought we should hear from a spouse. 
find ourselves in a struggle that's deeper than we ever thought we could be. Lord, today we come with the difficulties in our lives, the trials that so easily entangle us. And we say, Jesus, will you help us? Help us to just do more than get through this thing. God, but would you grow us into a place that's more like your son? We need you, God. We need you. Jesus' name.